Hi everyone, Air here. Today I'm going to explore the Wim Hof Method. It's a version of spirituality that most people don't think of. They think of breath work, they think of cold plunge, and they tend to just cringe. But I wanted to be a little bit more open-minded. And with my special guest today, Donato Humbling, he's actually certified in the Wim Hof Method. And he's been able to explain a little bit more on how it fits into spirituality and how it can be beneficial for your life, even if you're not a spiritual person. So I had never heard of the Wim Hof Method up until about two years ago. Then I was told that there was this guy from the Netherlands that was deciding to be in the middle of the freezing cold Antarctica or the Netherlands without any clothes on. And to be honest with you, I'm not someone that loves cold. That's like, you know, maybe a few snow days here and there, but I do live in Miami after all, or at least for now. <laughs> so hearing about someone going shirtless in the snow of Antarctica really freaked me out. But I try to be open-minded, and this spirituality podcast is about growth, so I took the cold plunge. To be able to sponsor this episode, we had the Miami Ice Club and Donato be able to teach us. I was able to do a two-part field trip down to the Miami Ice Club where I met Donato and Jess Rachel, and they were able to explain what this really meant as far as a lifestyle and its benefits. So before I get into the interview with Donato, I want to go a little bit into what I learned about the Wim Hof Method. That way, when we start asking questions to him, it's not completely out of left field. So with my explorations, I found out that it's really down to three core components. And I know that he's gonna go over this in the interview, but it is important to have this kind of framework that way you can really decide if this is something that could be beneficial to your life. Okay, my favorite is actually the very first one. And it might have to do with the fact that my name is Air, but breathing, something that I have been very focused on in my yoga journey, in my tantra journey, and now in my breathwork journey, breathing is the first pillar of the Wim Hof Method. We're always breathing, Yet most of the time, we're not really aware of how we're breathing or how it's affecting our general health. Especially when I go on these long tangents for the podcast, I tend to breathe faster because I get a little bit nervous each time I go on a show. Second is cold therapy. I can personally tell you in part two of this like two-part series, the cold therapy and breathing is going to be really critical. While this part one is all about Donato sharing what breath work is with the Wim Hof method and how the cold plunge changes the mind and changes your survival mechanisms, I will actually share my personal experience in part two. And then finally, we have commitment. Commitment is probably the strongest pillar of the three because when you combine breath work with cold exposure and conscious breathing, it really requires some patience and dedication in order to be mastered. I know that I did the cold plunge a total of three times and the first time was actually the easiest because I made a commitment to myself for that two minutes that I was going to focus on my breath. 
The second time was almost more of a fun time to see if I could make it to three minutes. But that third time, I'll actually wait to share in part two of this series. And that one was different. That's what I'm going to leave you with. So armed with focus and determination, are you ready to hear Donato explain how breathwork works? <laughs> Say that four times fast. Well, um, I went to school for computer and electrical engineering, which uh, was great. I really enjoyed, actually hated going to school for that. But I loved working as an engineer. I did that full time for nine years, and then I started my own consultancy firm with that. But from my teenage years, I was very interested in martial arts more than anything, the philosophical aspects of martial arts. When I moved to the U.S. And to go to school, I got the opportunity to start actually training martial arts seriously. And then I discovered yoga, which I didn't know I was going to like so much. When I moved to Miami in 2005, I discovered this practice called Bulletin, which is a mix of yoga and martial arts. So it combined my two lifelong passions. And it also had a tremendously, um, uh, a tremendously obvious philosophical content. And from day one, the philosophy was there. And I like that it had the ability to cross the bridge between these two passions. So it sent me into a very deep exploration of and who I want to be, and it really helped me develop as a young man. Um, eventually, after I got my black belt and I opened my academy and I was teaching and I was traveling the world teaching yoga, martial arts, and calisthenics, mobility, meditation, um, I became a coach, so I started coaching people one on one a lot. It's a lot like lifestyle coaching as well as coaching. I just found myself a little uninspired. Just kind of stuck in my wellness career. And I wanted to do something that was going to, uh, to just make me feel like a true beginner again. I had, for some reason, lost the, that. I was just spending so much time teaching and so much time uh, in service of others that I had lost the connection with my own practice. And I was just uninspired to going back to practicing what I was teaching all the time. And a lot of people had, through the years, told me about the Wim method. And I was like, well, have you done it? And they're like, no, but you should do it, because you do all these crazy things, so you should do it. And I'm like, well, if you haven't done it, you're just watching social media and telling me what to do, I want to do it. But eventually, a friend of mine invited me to go to a trip to Poland, and, um, and I fell in love with the practice. It, it, the first ice bath I did um, just showed me that I had so much more that I could learn with this new teacher, with this new simple, clear teacher. It's just cold, and it's you and your preferences and your comforts and your uh, own challenges. So I got pretty big into it, and um, I discovered with it the breath work. Even though I hadn't done breath work in the yogi practice and in the martial arts practice, I hadn't found this particular breath work that had such a such a transformational effect, such a grounding and present effect for me. So. I realized that it could help a lot of people, 
and uh, it inspired me to start sharing. So when I came back from my training, I started the Miami Ice Club. And the Miami Ice Club is an initiative that brings cold water to people in Miami because there's no cold water here. So even if you wanted to practice this, everywhere else in the world, unless you're in the tropics, you can just take a cold shower. But here we can. So I have my freezer at home. My students were coming to my house. And eventually I was like, well, okay, there's too many people in my house. So we started teaching this practice and we started the ice club at my Budokan Academy. And it got so big that it just became its own thing. And we, during the lockdown, we grew. We actually got more popular during the lockdown, even doing it online. And then when we opened back up, just everyone wanted to do it. Wim Hof became very famous during that time. So we were the only ones operating the world. It, it, it's been since 2018, we've been consistently growing. We love it. It's really the only public class that I teach right now is this, the Miami High School. And we're right now opening ice clubs in other cities here in South Florida. So it's really exciting. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the timeline. You started with the yoga and the martial arts. How long to where you felt like you lost a little bit of that student mm. into the new introduction of the Wim Hof? I want to say probably around 2015. So a good, a good 10 years into teaching. I lost, like I lost, I was teaching too much, I was traveling too much, I was, uh, I was also doing engineering work, and I was also the wellness director for a hotel chain, all at the same time, so, so, it, it was like, I, I, I stopped taking care of myself, so I stopped doing what I tell, what I teach people to do, which is, it, it turns out it's very common in my industry, um, but I came back really inspired to do this. So in 2017, I started this, and I got lucky because at the time, the Wim Hof Academy was looking for professional teachers to get certified to teach. So they, uh, one of the teachers recommended me for the teacher training program. So I kind of got like fast track into the program, which was very convenient for me. So it was cool. And since then, it's been, I've been focusing on this. You call that divine time. Divine time. <laughs> yeah. So. For similarities are in the part that it's a practice. It's not a thing you do once and that's it. 
there is a, there is a, a, a great deal of personal discovery that can happen once you commit yourself to the practice. When I, so, so that is that is the main similarity. Very true for yoga because your body, especially if we're talking asana, your body transforms with the practice, and then it enables you with the possibility to sit quietly. Meditation also evolves. If it's, I've, I personally found that if meditation is not um, supported by your movement practice, then it's even, it even takes longer, right? Because we, we're used to move. So we need something that's going to quiet, that's going to wear out the moving desire, so that then we can sit quiet. But they both require practice, and they take evolution, and then in the practice, we discover things about you. Discover, you discover things about the practice, but ultimately, they're just revealing things about you. What's something I would discover about myself, hypothetically? Doing breath work? Yes. Uh, that you can be quiet. That you can be complete. Actually, that you are. And that's what I love about breath Meditation does that too. Yoga does that too. Breath work does it day one. That's why I like it better. Now, I like yoga a lot, and I like meditation a lot, and I like the martial arts a lot. They all do the same thing. They just show you who you are. Know who you think you are, who you are. And breathwork, I think, does it better. Because breathwork plays with your chemistry so that your ego stops being able to function. It's not like yoga that eventually you get distracted enough from your ego and focused enough on your practice. Or with meditation, that you sit quietly enough that your brain gets used to eventually, perhaps momentarily, being quiet. In breath work, we're using breath to change the chemistry of our blood to make our brain stop thinking, to make our prefrontal lobes slow down. So breath work is technically substance-assisted. There's different styles of yoga now, but at least when I was doing yoga, nobody was taking anything before doing yoga. Hey, we'll get that. I've heard that that's what the young guys doing it. So I wasn't able to share my second experience earlier at the class. Okay. And I want to kind of collect what I've gathered between the first experience and the second. Mm -hmm. And if you can describe any of the science behind it, mm -hmm. or even the spirituality behind this because this is a spirituality and growth mindset podcast so you're like on board <laughs> you're like already and everything right. I'm ready, straightened up so okay what i have found in this process between yoga and breath work but just in breath work here that it's almost like a marriage between my conscious and my subconscious getting into focus with each other and not fighting with so I relate my consciousness with the thinking, right? Everything with the frontal lobe, even the occipital, all the way up. You almost have to talk your way into it, in a way, because you're logically getting there. Versus my subconscious, where all those fears reside, all those feelings reside. I feel like when I was doing the breath work, especially the first time, I had this euphoric feeling where my subconscious just 
completely took over. And it was like, okay, we're here. Just be present. There's nothing to fear. Donato's going to come over here and tell you that you're breathing too hard, and that's okay. <laughs> but you're safe. Versus this time, I felt like my conscious was more in control for the first two like, wow. sessions that you did, or two rounds. And then the subconscious kicked in. Okay. So, is there a reason that you can, like, logically or even feeling-wise describe, like, every single time it's different? Or even those connections between the consciousness and the Breathwork is, well, I can tell you, I mean, instead of talking about breathwork, let's talk about your two sessions. Okay. Your first session was when? My first session was last week. What day? Friday. Friday. So same Friday. Same afternoon. Friday, 6 o'clock. Right? Was I you. different? Yes. Was I different? Mm -hmm. Yes? 100%. Okay. Well, that's why it was different. Now, were you different? Yes. That's another reason why it was probably different. Right? Was the day different? Day of the week? No. Yes. Day, day physically? Day. Yes. Yes. So there were already three things before we count too far that were already different. But also, I'll tell you, the sequence that I used was different. Okay, not the protocol, but the, the, the amount of breaths. The rhythm was different. So today was slower than on last Friday. Okay? And last Friday there were a lot of, uh, there were some, there were a good amount of new people, but there was a good amount of seasoned practitioners. Today it was mostly new people. So sometimes I doubt it that. So depending on the feeling of the room, just like a yoga teacher would, you just tailor the class to a little different. Now, so that would already credit, but even if I did it exactly the same, you're a different person, I'm a different person, we're different people every day. Well, it's a journey. So we're so, um, so that makes it feel different. Also, your first time, everything was new. And the second time, you kind of know a little bit better what's going on. So you can lean into certain things more, get away from certain other things. Now, in terms of the conscious mind and the subconscious, or even the unconscious mind, the, sub, the, the conscious mind is, because it's the last one we developed in evolution, it is the most delicate and fragile of all of them. So a slight change in chemistry has the potential to just affect the way that it functions completely, right? That's why you can take a little bit of mushrooms this big and go on a tremendous journey or whatever substance, right? So when we hyper-oxygenate the blood by taking all these breaths and we enter this um, hypocapnic state, this low CO2 state, you make your blood more alkaline because oxygen is very alkaline and CO2 is very acidic. So as you make your blood more alkaline, very alkaline actually, because we usually get to like 7.9 pH, which normally is 7.4, 7.3, whatever. So 7.9, it's a big jump. And your brain, your, your brain detects that, but your prefrontal lobes just don't work well at that pH because they're very fragile. So they start slowing down. So you start creating temporary hypofrontality, a temporary slowing down of the activity of the prefrontal lobe, which is the flow state, which is what people do to try to get into the flow state. So when you, that's why sometimes your conscious mind or your thinking or your analytical mind or your short-term memories or your 
trying to understand, trying to guess, trying to figure it out, remembering, comparing, uh, you know, processing, you know, managing all of those functions and the, trying to recognize patterns, all that goes away or at least slows down. Your subconscious mind is always trying to tell you something. It's just the conscious mind is so loud. But it's like the conscious mind is yelling and the subconscious mind is whispering. So if you stop the yelling, you can hear the whispering. But the whispering is always there. That's what we can always feel if you just shut up. <laughs> so what we do with the work is, I what, what I realized about breath work is that I got tired of telling people to shut up. So I just get them to breathe so they shut up. And then they can listen to the subconscious. There's nothing for me to do other than create a space for you to listen to your subconscious mind. Two reasons. One, because all the answers are already there. And then the other reason is because, like you said, a lot of the fear and a lot of the trauma, it's kind of stuck there. Because you didn't get to process it with your, with your uh, conscious mind. So it kind of gets stuck in the middle between your unconscious and your conscious mind. But sometimes you allow the space for the breath work and you finish processing. You finish understanding, oh, maybe that wasn't such a big deal. Or maybe that was a big deal, but it doesn't have to become who I am. 